uh, hey, Klaatu, you may want to get out your fanboy, and you can swing it at me if I if I get too gushy here. But I do want to take the opportunity to talk to Cornomio and uh, about Crunchbang. No, actually, if, I was about to I was about to ask the same thing because I don't know. I've heard of Crunchbang. I I know next to nothing about it except that I think I heard it was it had an open box uh, desktop uh, by default. That's all I know. Oh, for real, Cornomio, are you on? Are you near your mic right now? Yeah. Hi. All right, great. Yeah, I just want to say I not only use Crunchbang on a daily basis, but I use it and appreciate it on a daily basis. Every time I've got it installed on my my EPC 701, and it's in the kitchen. And every morning, when when I, when I get home from work, I turn it on and I start up G Potter in that thing. And every morning, I plug a SD card into it and load my podcasts on there. And I every day I appreciate it that 701 has a use and i appreciate the work that's gone into it and in the i mean since statler came out and i put it on it i have had exactly one problem with that machine and uh i mean i cannot say enough good things about crunchbang and about the work you've done so thank you for that hey thanks that's uh i appreciate it yeah <laughs> kind words and i so, oh, just yeah. just like to put in here because that's the way i'm these uh uh, Philip and Becky are two of the nicest people you might ever have met. I know I uh, met them at, um, at Og Camp, my only social event of the year, and they took me under the wing. Uh, the, all the interviews that were taken at the outside were all organized by uh, Cornominal. Went in, got people, brought them out, brought out beer as well, which is also nice, and lined up all those interviews, and there's still more to come. So a big thanks. Hey, uh, no problem. You you were quite um, well, <laughs> you were amazing at Odd Camp. You were like a uh, casting uh, robot. You were just non-stop. It was uh, quite a sight to see. And I'm uh, heading over to Fostem. We have a table over there as well. I haven't started bugging people about that yet, but I'm looking for some people to come and give us a hand on the table. I at want Fostem. I want Philip to go to Fostem, but he won't go. Come, come on! We can do the table with me, dude. For Gotta real? Fostem, yeah. Take me to Fostem, Philip. All right, people. We need uh, somebody to send in some money. So go to um, <laughs> crunchbang.org. Press the donate no, button no, no, and no, no, donate. No, no. no, shut up. Mute him. Mute him. Press the <laughs> donate button and send him some cash. He doesn't need that much. It's just to get from the UK to. Um, yeah, we'll do a Belgium. Kickstarter if we have to. Yeah, let's Jeez. do this. No, you don't want to do that. Uh, uh, Fosdem, it's, um, I don't know, it's just it's quite intimidating, I think. There's quite a lot of, like, proper serious hackers there, and uh, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't mingle in those circles. No, you'll be coming, you'll be helping me on the uh, HPR table. You'll be just a HPR correspondent, that's all. This is, cool. this is... Yeah, I'll, that's I'll funny, that, actually. I could be a HPR pimp. I'm as intimidated by you being a proper hacker compared to me. Yeah, no kidding. This is the guy who put together the OS that makes my EPC useful, and and you're intimidated by like hackers. That's that's like somebody listening now saying they're intimidated to post a show on HPR. But it's very self-depreciating. Yeah, it's to be fair, Crunchbang. It's um, I mean, I, I love hacking on Crunchbang, but I think um, I do feel kind of uncomfortable accepting any credit for it because fair it, you know it is basically it's debian and uh, open box and uh, and I, I, a lot of the time i just feel like um 
maybe a bit of a um, a cocktail shaker. I just I just shake a cocktail and maybe you know just stick everything together and make it you know work well. But I, a lot of the hacking and stuff is you know it, that's all done by the professionals. Fair enough. But if I walk over to to a liquor cabinet right now and just start pouring in things that I like until I think I have everything I like in there and shake it up, that's a nasty, nasty recipe. It takes real skill to mix a drink, and it takes real skill to mix a distro, and you can't you can't downsell that. Ah, uh, well, real skill or good luck. I'll, I'd rather be lucky than good any day. So what? Amen. I mean, Amen. What is involved with what you're doing then, Cornelmo? I mean, like, what what do you sit down and do? You just you you you're remixing the the packages and then putting them together such that they create a live booth that will install. Is that is that sort of what you do? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, um, I mean, you've Clatter, you've not used Crunchbang, so if I just give you a brief explanation as to what it is, it is. I mean, basically, it is Debian. But with my own choice of uh, packages on, you know, on top of a minimal install. So I'll put OpenBox on, and then basically my favourite applications. And then I'll, I'll, what I'll, what I try and do is produce a finished image which I can install on any of my systems that will, you know, that will just work for me. So. Um, you know, if anybody else uses it and they like it, that's you know that's brilliant. But you know, if somebody uses it, and they don't like it. You know, it's not it's not really a problem. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But yeah, I think what I try to do is package up, maybe do some um, modifications to Debian, which the Debian distribution can't actually do for reasons of um, you know they like to be uh, a uh, free. Uh, open source distribution, whereas I'm a bit more of a, a uh, pragmatist, and so, for example, I will ship um, certain Wi-Fi drivers on there, which uh, are proprietary bin binary blobs, and uh, other things as well, such as, um, I think you were talking about Liblane earlier, the uh, MP3, so that works out of the box and it's nice and easy. And why not actually, if uh, if you're in a jurisdiction that doesn't support it? Well, one thing what actually. About the, I was gonna say, what about the um, post-install script as well? Because Philip um, or a lot of the users they really like on the latest release the post-install script, and you did script that yourself, Philip. That is actually what I wanted to say, Becky. But thank you very much for cutting me off. Yeah, <laughs> Can I, I just point out that Becky's actually now giving me two fingers. We're sat on the set e, same set e, and she's sticking us. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say it's more than just picking uh, some some packages because I can do that. There's also the theming that goes on. There's the scripting that gets it to recognize everything. There's the config files that make it work. I mean, you know, I have sat down with other distributions and tried to get them to work on that EPC and spent days and days and days and not had anything that works as well as, as Crunchbang does out of the box. And that's just on an EPC with, you know, 600 megahertz processor. Put it on a real computer and it, it's really something. That that seems to be one of the big things that I've heard about oh, um, about Crunchbang is that is the ease of setup and yet the underlying power. So I guess that would probably be that setup script that they're talking about. 
And I don't know, just to explain to some people, if you haven't installed CrunchBank, which you should do at least in a virtual machine, is after the login does bare minimal install, you got some sensible questions. Do you want SSH installed? Here's what it is. Yes, no, boom. Do you want this installed? Shall I install OpenOffice? Do you want to go into more advanced things? It's yes, no, yes, no. And the script is just there in the subdirectory and you can edit it and have at it and rerun it at any time. It's really a stroke of genius and I don't know why more people don't do that. He did it more for me because I'm so stupid when I'm doing my upgrades. <laughs> that sounds a little bit like um, Slackware's, some of Slackware's package uh, helpers like uh, XWM config, um, package tool, things like that where it kind of knows what you've, what you've got installed after your initial install but if you ever need to go back and, and rerun anything you can always do that. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I think um, probably like most users, I've got a a bin directory full of, you know, full of completely random shell scripts, and so what I've tried to do with Crunchbang is, and it's purely for my own purpose, it's um, take these shell scripts and put them into, you know, well place them within Crunchbang itself, so that, you know, every time. I install Crunchbang, say on a new new system. If I want to get up a a lamp stack really quickly, but not the default lamp stack, which say comes with, you know, because you can do that through Debian itself via um, the task um, task selector. There's uh, or task cell is it or something like that. Um, basically, the bash script will set up for my own uh, to my own preferences, which. You know, it's just little things which make 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 makes work easier. So it'll install, you know, for example, Apache and you know my my SQL Server and you know stuff like that. But then it'll go once once that's installed, it'll go in and modify the um, the config file so that things like mod rewrite work and just little things. I think, and I think it's the little things sometimes which which matter. So. It's definitely the little things that matter in a distro because all of distros have the major things worked out. I mean, you know, Ubuntu had their uh, thousand paper cuts project or whatever it was, but it's also the little things that a, a newbie like myself run into and have no clue where to look to resolve a problem and sometimes don't even know how to ask for help or how to ask, you know, what direction to be pointed in. So it's definitely those little things. I'm I'm curious, Cornomal, how you dictate what you put into into Crunchbang. I mean, are there times where you're maybe scripting something or setting it up to work a certain way, and you think, well, gee, what if not all the users want it that way? Like you're almost deviating from sort of like upstream or something, or do you just set it up literally? This is how I want it to work, and so that's how I'm going to I'm that's how I'm going to make it work. And if people like that, then great. If they don't, then they don't have to use it. Is that like what what how do you, how do you make that call? Yeah, it's pretty much as you as you've just said. I mean, I, I I don't think you can accommodate, you know, everybody. In fact, I know you can't accommodate everybody. So I think you know you just have to think to yourself, well, this is how I want it. It works for me. So if it works for me, it's going to work. Well, there's a good chance it'll work for somebody else. If it doesn't, then you know I can't help that. It doesn't matter what I do. Got it. Do you do you? Uh... Take it personal when people use the phrase "benevolent dictator." No, I'm quite, I'm quite thick-skinned. I don't really, I don't really take anything very personally. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
I just that was a term I remember hearing bandied about several years ago, uh, an awful lot, especially when Ubuntu was starting to get a lot of popularity. People would say it about Shuttleworth, and uh, occasionally they said it about that other dude with the with the, the fruit computer. But yeah, I, I don't. I think it works. I think it can work. I, I'm not sure if I ever understood that that term, to be honest. I mean, I know that I don't particularly like it because I don't believe there's such a thing. But I mean, I don't think that any software project or any really project that you're organizing that you're managing there's got to be an, a, a project manager at the at the top and I'm, a, I'm i'm assuming that's what they mean by a benevolent dictator but i'm not really sure what it means that's becky <laughs> uh yeah well it's just a, a dictator um you know is not necessarily a bad who rules with an iron fist it's a person who's been put in charge to make the hard decisions that a committee cannot make i mean that's that's its traditional definition when the romans were using it and uh, you know they always saw it as as a good thing and it was like a, a weapon of last resort against uh you know a threat to society so it's just who's been you know put in charge of that thing and they and they are benevolent but in that sense then every project has a benevolent dicker i mean slackware has pat um, Debian has whoever their little, you know, their their Debian person that they change every three years or whatever it is. Uh, you know, I mean, every everything's got that. I don't see the point in that term. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. I get that. I, I yield. With um, Crunchbang, where um, it's just sort of a bit of a one-man project anyway, that surely by default would make him a benevolent dictator because, you know, he's dictating to himself. It's his project. But I guess in the sense that there's there's the ability to talk to this person who's making the distribution. To me, that doesn't that doesn't mean dictator. To me, that means a project manager or project lead, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't class myself as a benevolent <laughs> dictator. <laughs> you know, wait, just, wait. Would fun. you could di- would you say you're a dictator then, if not benevolent? <laughs> no. <laughs> I some sometimes refer to myself as a project lead, but to be fair. You know, it's just a project. It's you know, it's not. I don't. I don't think we really need to get that serious about it. And also, if ever you've actually been onto the Crunchbank forums, you'll see that actually that we do take a lot of input from the community. Crunchbank is more about the community, which makes it fit right in here. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, to be fair, the um, the Crunchbank community is brilliant, and we, uh, we've got some forums set up, and the majority. Uh, well, not the majority, but you know. A lot of users on the crunch. Did we lose him? Yes, we are sort of losing him. No, this is something that happens. Ken, it happens to you a lot too, and you don't notice it. Where where you're a great physical distance from the server, the <laughs> it's something about buffer kind of uh, like running out, and the audio will die for a good five to ten seconds, and when it picks up again, it's right where your word broke off. So it's uh, just traffic. You know, yeah. network traffic, the packet's being rerouted. It, it happens all the time. So if it does happen to somebody, just hold on for a minute. I think it's a resync of something. Yeah, and I, I yeah, it's it happens. Yeah, and with the multi-track recording, I can cut that silence out, and the word goes back together perfectly in, in the uh, in the recording afterwards. So sorry, yeah. Yeah, sorry to distract. That's okay. Well, I think we were talking about uh, Fedora, were we not? Yes, you were saying how great the Fedora community was when they bailed into the Crunchbank. <laughs> Yeah. No, Philip's right in the fact that, like I say, a lot of the um, Crunchbang community, they don't actually run Crunchbang, and those that do, um, you know, they either have a preference for the older version, they don't like the new updated ISO images, so they've not upgraded to the new version. You know, it's more about, like say, being part of the community and sharing ideas, and, you know, other other interests, that they, you know, just from their day-to-day lives as well. 
Nice. That's that's really really that's really good. And everybody kind of sees it as their own uh, personal. This is what I like, and if no one else likes it, they're not terribly bothered. That's that's really cool. Was Crunchbang ever based on Ubuntu? I, I seem to have some memory of it being an Ubuntu skin at some point, or am I just completely remembering incorrectly? No, you you're uh, remembering. I think you're the first person I've heard that's uh, questioned whether it was ever based on Ubuntu, because it's uh, it's been based on Debian now for probably what was the first the first Debian version came out in February last year or this year. Hang on a minute, what's the time? <laughs> oh, I think it was that. Well, February 2011 was the first official uh, f- release, non-development Debian release. So, but before that, it was uh, based on Ubuntu. Yeah. Care to comment on the reason for the change? Um. Well, seems like quite a while ago now. So I've probably forgotten what made me really angry about Ubuntu. It made me, you know, was probably Unity. the. No, because it was it was be- to be fair, it was before Unity, and I don't you know, and Unity was you know, it's, it doesn't matter anyway because you know, Crunchbang's always really been about providing an open box um, desktops, so or environment. The um, it was I don't know. I, I mean, I was quite a happy Ubuntu user for a number of years, but it, I think maybe. Within the last two years or so, two or two, two or more years maybe, um, certain things happened in with the Ubuntu community where it Ubuntu for, for me at least anyway Ubuntu became it became less about um, the community and being you know a, a, a distribution developed for the community by the community and became more of a well, Canonical's influence over the project became a lot stronger, I think, and and that was um, you could see that not only in the distribution itself, but there was certain things which were happening in packages, which it became it just became a bit of a pain really to uh, maintain, and so I think the obvious choice was just to um, skip skip Ubuntu and move straight to Debian and you know I've not regretted it at all Debian's a great system um, and you know I use you know I use Crunchbang because obviously because you know I develop it for myself so mainly so I use it by you know I I still refer to myself as a Debian user am I uh just uh, uh, incorrect. Did I remember that you worked for uh, Canonical at one point? Were you employed by them? No, I've never worked for Canonical. Okay, sorry, I don't know where that came from then. Well, here's a question, and and this might be um, a noob question for all I know, but it seems to me like, let's say that, that I have some PowerPC boxes, which I do a lot of, and the one distro that will run on that comfortably is a... Um, is Debian because they maintain you know PowerPC actively, and if I wanted to say okay now I want to try out this um, Crunchbang, it seems to me like those kinds of arrange uh, those kinds of configurations or whatever it's really just kind of a set of packages that you hand pick. I mean that's what it boils down to, it, sort of. Unless I'm wrong and correct me if I am. It, it, have you ever? Is there a way to make a distribution without making a 
downloadable ISO, you know, like almost some kind of, I don't know, I don't know how that would be done. Maybe you can just, maybe you see where I'm going with this and just kind of, is that something that could be done or or not? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm not sure what, I think people's uh, qualifications or, you know, what they define as being a distro is, um, you know, I think it differs from person to person. But, I mean, what I used to do for Crunchbang was um, I would provide a downloadable um, ISO image and or um, a um, it was a um, it's just basically just a, a script which would you first of all the user would install a um, would install Ubuntu a minimal Ubuntu installation um, so basically you'd just get so your kernel and your uh, use land packages say and then you'd You'd uh, wget the uh, Crunchbang script. Um, you'd run it as root, and basically that would set up a Ubuntu minimal install. To um, well, it, you know, it would mirror the uh, downloadable ISO. So I mean, it's it, you know, it's pretty, it's, it's doable. Um, I've stopped doing that for for the uh, Debian release because, well. It's just easy. To be fair, it's it's easier and a lot less work to work on one system. And there's, there's certain things you can do on a um, you can do with a downloadable ISO, which would be a real pain in the ass. To be fair, to do you know just via a uh, a single script. Gotcha. I'm not well, going to say slacker media pokey. <laughs> well, I I love. Darn it! I just said it. I, I love Crunchbang. It's utterly stable, utterly dependable. Like I said, I've had exactly one problem with it that I can't figure out every every once in a while when I put an SD card in there, it doesn't mount. And that's, I mean, that's it. That is the sum total of problems I've ever had with the Statler release of Crunchbang. It's it's just fantastic. How do you turn off the guy um, talking up in the top right-hand corner, the Muppet? Lord. Why would you want to? Statler. Why do you want to turn him off? He's cool. Yes, yes, he is, he but is, he comes, comes up at the wrong, wrong time. time, and you can't actually. Get, you can't get him to back. Be fair, to be fair to Ken, you're not the only person that's mentioned that, and um, I have actually for the for the the latest release, it it doesn't actually feature. It's still in the. All you need to do basically is you go to your open box um, auto start script. So you know it's in your um, home directory config slash open box slash auto start dot sh for your release I would think uh, open that and just edit it out it's called um there's a little script which is called cb cb fortune maybe I think so just comment that out and that'll stop it from appearing but to be fair for the, the last release that I put out I just commented it out because I thought I thought to my uh, I think there's there's boundaries which I'm slowly learning, which you don't want to step out, step over. Which, you know, for me, it might be fun to have a little muppet appear in the top right-hand corner of my system, giving me a random <laughs> quote. But, f but for other people, you know, it might be a, a bit off-putting. So I've I've stopped it doing it by default. But the line's still there. If you want it on the new release, you just uncomment the line, and it'll, you know, you'll get a muppet on your system. Wow, I thought you guys were kidding. That's hilarious. I love it. I want this. I thought we that love was the Muppets, a joke. I didn't, I didn't know that was a serious question. I've never seen that on my system. I'm going to have to go find that line and uncomment it. That's Statler himself, in fact, right? 
Yeah, that's Statler, the um, the uh, old wise muppet. <laughs> and how do and you not get husband. sued by the Linux Action Show for using him? Probably. Or Disney. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, the um, yeah, I was quite surprised actually because the Muppets um, are over Walt Disney now, aren't they? But yeah, no, nobody said anything. So, but then you know, even if they wanted to sue me, I've got no money, so I won't be able to pay them. <laughs> Crunchbag dot org forward slash donations forward slash donate. Actually, I should um, I should probably take the opportunity to thank everybody for because I've had quite a few donations over the last month or so um, since I've put up. I'm, I'm, I'm actually building, I'm trying to build a new website for the project, so to make everything a lot easier, you know, because uh, CrunchBank itself, it's, um, if you've never used it before, or you've, you've say, come from a uh, GNOME or a KDE environment where everything's done in the GUI, uh, it can be maybe a little bit off-putting to new users, so I'm trying to build a new website which is more accessible and there's more, it, it makes the information... Um, key information which I think maybe you know it's not hard to find that information but I'm trying to make it put it up front so that it's there so when people download the image or you know they download the before they actually install it they can get a good idea of what the system's about so that they don't install it and then just think oh no this is a load of crap oh man all I do is open up Google type how to Statler and then I type what I'm looking for and I've never had a problem finding, you know, what I need to get done. And I am that perpetual noob who's used to doing everything in the GUI. I think that's one of my favorite things about CrunchBang, is that most of the settings are just um, hyperlinks or symlinks to the config files. So it's it's very explorable and helps you learn a little bit about how the, the different configurations for each program works. The more you guys talk about it, the more it makes me think of Slackware. To be honest, it just—it sounds like it's uh, very script, uh, very shell script based, and and keeps track of text, plain text config files um, that you get to edit or or not, depending on your needs. It sounds sounds pretty nice. It's uh, Slackware without the pain of making tea. But I like the pain of making tea. Oh no no, Salix Slackware without the pain of making tea. Let's let's uh, I, let's not shortchange them. But, but yeah, a lot a lot of the things that there are to love about Slackware are the same things to love about Crunchbang for sure. Yeah, I mean the thing is about um, Crunchbang. It's um, I mean if you were to do a, a minimal Debian install and then install Openbox, you know it's not overly difficult if you know what you're doing. Um, so. You know, from that aspect, Crunchbang, you know, it's not unusual, but what I try to do is, um, so there's um, items in the menus for, you know, editing pretty much every file that's associated to Openbox. And there's, uh, you know, there's a menu item for editing, you know, certain things such as the panel configs and, you know, conky configs. So I try to make it as easy or as usable as possible from the beginning whereas if you were to try to um, like I say install and create an open box system from scratch on Debian you know it's actually quite a, quite a bit hard work to you know set it up and you know get it up to a nice usable state I think so I think you know from that point of view I think Crunchbang works quite well. Can I have to get my husband to sh talk in shorter sentences? Is it clipping out for you too? Yes. Sorry. Oh, no worries. It, it, 
it's really obvious in audacity where it happens and it's easy to, to to clip that silence out it's uh that's one real nice thing about audacity is it seems to um it'll grab your cursor and bring it right to the edge of the silence so it's really easy to clip that out of there does it also edit out all of the ums i, I often wish. do that's that's what takes me so long <laughs> to post a show after i record it i was uh, um, doing a sorry canonical go ahead uh who uh, i was just gonna say who um who says um well, I, I, <laughs> I was thinking of doing a pro, uh, April Fool episode where there was where we're reviewing the Audacity Um feature. Oh, nice! <laughs> it involved. I don't think anybody would get the joke except for. Uh, yeah, only who... the people who podcast and actually record would would get it. The auto um plugin. <laughs> would love that. All of the um, erms that, that you edit out. All of the herbs that you edit out, you should put together as a podcast and run there that on a day. <laughs> you know what makes me think? Probably could edit out the ums automatically if you, because uh, it does have that that noise removal where it will sample audio and then delete that the things that match that sample. You no, probably that's... could get rid of a good bit of it. Mm, yeah, along with the rest of your voice during everything else you say. Yeah, I know when you do he- heavy when you do heavy. Um, noise removal you really get mechanical sounding you're right yeah is it not quite natural though to um say um (laughs) (laughs) as we all say um it really is natural to say it when you're editing yourself in a podcast it's grating okay well i'll take your word for it because i don't think i've ever edited a podcast you're so lucky yes and, and it's the funny, the funny thing is you don't um, notice it when other people do it. You only notice it when you do it. Yeah, but if you start editing ums and things out of your podcast, I'll never get uh, shows up here. So don't bother about that. Send them into HPR. You can edit them out when you become rich and famous. <laughs> also, I need somebody's help on setting up an ice cast relay, please. Somebody's help on case, setting up an ice cast relay. Does, it, does anybody know soon. why we say um? It was like I three people hear... talking at once. Yeah, I didn't hear anything that any of the three of you said. Okay, so it was a trivial question. As in, as in, do we know why we say um as as opposed to saying something else like, I don't know. Whee! <laughs> so, um, I... the, re- the reason for that is it allows your brain to think, and some people say, that's a great question. If you no, ever hear that he, in interviews. No, I think he was literally asking why that word and not another word. And I think that's cultural because in the States, nobody says er. We say um. And that's that, true. That threw me off for probably at least half of. Um, Lug Radio? The, no, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. When I was reading oh. that book, what did, I kept going, what does er mean? First, I uh. heard that was Lug Radio. They used to do that a lot. And I was just like, why do they say it like that? You know, it was just, it sounded weird to my ears. Okay, yeah. Uh, 50. D150 was also going to say something, but before he does, I would like somebody's help in setting up a nice cast relay. If somebody could jump out of the channel, please, or meet me on IRC, that'd be great. And now over to 5150. All I said was, if I, uh, if my OCD will let me uh, finish a podcast without doing a um, removal, I'll probably have a bunch of them to drop into the FTP. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've got three or four on backlog for the same reason. When you guys do your sort of like podcasts for Hacker Public Radio, do you sort of rehearse them? Do you script them? Because obviously Philip and I are thinking of doing one and just want some top tips, really. It's honestly whatever you're comfortable with. I don't ever script mine. 
but I noticed that if I take some notes beforehand so that I don't miss anything, they, they tend to come out a little bit better, and that's a nice compromise between a script and a total freeform. I suppose I would always want to sound sort of quite natural, and I always sometimes think that scripting... You... Yeah, no, I you do not sound natural when you script it, but some people can make Silence? it work. Or is it just me? Yeah, I can't Silence. tell if this is an awkward silence or if it's just people Ethernet. are speaking and we're not hearing them. No, I think we all may right. actually all be out of sync. Uh, I think I agree with you, Pokey. I think Ump got the best of everybody. Hey, Art, what was that? I said I think Ump got the best of everybody. No, I think the Very server's well hiccuping. Okay, but a very good question. Um, for myself, uh, thanks for the detailed tutorial episodes that I do, or haven't done in a while, but that I do where it's you're imparting technical information on somebody like a tutor or a how-to or something like that, where the bash scripting guide is example, and there you need to beforehand have everything scripted and maybe you might vary from the physical text that's written down there, but it's very much you need to do this, and then you need to do that, and these are the results, and there's a start, middle, and end. However, if you're going to be doing a show that's just a chat with a buddy, um, generally I'll just make a list of topic points that I want to cover, especially in an interview or something like that. Um, go to the website, have a look at what the, you know, the, the topics that you want to talk about, and sort of um, have a leading question to to okay we want to talk about this but uh, um, you prompt them to talk about the other topic and then you prompt them to go further and on to the next thing and on to the next thing so everybody can do it differently would be a good one to have a how you record a HPO episode from a um, longer running host actually I suppose it's more because I do public speaking anyway through my work and I don't rehearse, I don't script, I don't have note cards, I pretty much wing it. So I was just sort of wondering how that would, um, you know, transcend across if ever I did any podcasting. I think it'd be the same, because I, I do some, I do like one class on beginning filmmaking at the place that I work. And if it's a topic I know about, such as that, then I can speak without rehearsal, without anything like that. The only time I like rehearse or not, I never script, but if I if I outline something, then it'll be on something that I I've just figured out and I I want to get the how to down and 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 recorded, but I I don't feel like I could just do it off the top of my head. Then I then I outline, but otherwise I I don't really do any kind of rehearsal or anything. Yeah, I hope to God Mr. Gadgets isn't reading a script. He calls in from his car. <laughs> But he's like a professional. He's talking live from the hip. There's no editing. He has no way to edit any of his shows. It's just pick up the phone, talk, I can't even and comprehend that's what that. comes up. That is so hardcore. I aspire to that. You're doing it now. Don't tell me that. The whole world is watching and you're doing it now. Oh, good gosh. There's a real lack of lady podcasters, though, do you not think? Amen. Yes. Amen. However, there are... There we do have a few here on HPR which I'd like to see them, um, them or whoever, our community members of the female. Variety. I mean, I mean to be fair, those women people are more common, I think, in other podcasting realms. Like if I go out and listen to like sci-fi or fantasy novel podcasts, like the short story podcasts, yep. you hear women all over the place. So. They're there. They're just not in the Linux podcasting net necessarily. Although, yeah, there are they they do exist here too. But 
not, not yeah. So it's not it's not everywhere. It's just here. There are so many women involved in the Linux community or in the open source community. I mean, if we take OGCAMP that um, both me and Ken went to, you know, it, it was definitely 50-50 for women blokes there, and they weren't just accompanying their husbands. Wow, that's 50-50? Honestly, would you cool. say it was 50-50? There were an oh. awful lot of ladies there. There were, yeah, but I wouldn't say it was 50-50. My gosh, I've, well, only been suppose, to, actually, yeah. I've only been to one Linux fest, and... There were only two women there, and they were married to the dudes running. Well, if yeah, you that's look pretty at the lady presenters, weird. You had Lorna I, would, Jane, I was going to say embarrassing. Karen but... Sandler, you you had Laura Kachowski. Yeah, true enough, but they're just geeks. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, that's and that's so cool. and exactly lady they, they, geeks. No, there's no distinction. They're just hackers like everybody else, and that's actually what I'll, one of the things I know. If we want to talk about uh, HBR is that I've noticed um, different people from different cultures, different countries come on to the uh, network over the last year. And I think that's something I also want to encourage. So it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'll have to do you a knitting podcast for HPR. And, you know, laugh all you want, but uh, Pokey's mom, who still owes me a podcast for last year and owes me one for next year as well. Although last year <laughs> she did the uh, the intro, so she's off. But tell her that she's uh, she owes me a podcast for next year as well. But she's a seamstress, and uh, so a lot of our wide and varied audience. I um, yeah, run I think... my local Linux user group, and I take my knitting along. I think it's a big crossover. I know a couple of people <laughs> into Linux. Oh, that was funny, wasn't it? No, but I know um, a couple of people into Linux who who are not just casual knitters. They, I know one girl who actually makes her own yarn with a spinning wheel. Can you beat that? I have a spinning wheel upstairs in my house. Yes. I'm nice. not a witch. <laughs> <laughs> she isn't either, as far as I know. I've met you. I am a witch. <laughs> I, I think I think that's a. Uh... Politically incorrect. I think you're supposed to say Wiccan. <laughs> I think a, a knitting podcast, like something on how to get started in it, um, not only would be great for the community, but it would be fantastic for me personally because my wife just last night walked into the kitchen with, I mean, like a cubic meter. I'm trying to be like worldly here, like a cubic meter of yarn. And she said, I'm going to learn how to make this blanket. What is it that these subjects always come around to when guys are talking about them? It's my my wife and my girlfriend. Is that just a little shameless secret? No, I'll tell you why. Because uh, when I was uh, pipe on music, can you play that way back music again, please? That you had before. Give you a few seconds to do that. When it, uh, it was a personal dig thistle web. I, I I love it and I accept it. But no, I I um I got no problem with dating. I would do it if I had a use for the the product that came out at the end. Like uh, I just took I just got uh, some paracord. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but I I wove my own rifle sling. So as long as what's coming out at the end, I can I can weave that stuff. I can learn. No problem. No, dude, it wasn't it wasn't anything personal. I'm I'm trying to be funny. I mean, when I when I make digs like that, it's intentionally to be funny. Um, so if anyone takes any other way, I do apologize in advance. Uh, I, personal was the wrong word, because I, I meant if it was a joke at me, then then I certainly welcome it. And I, I, I love being the brunt of jokes, so absolutely. However, I wanted to learn knitting guts when I was in national school, which is, I don't know, the first school you go into. They I was in primary. a class with yeah, primary education. I don't know what it is in the States, but any. They elementary were only, school or grade elementary school. Elementary school. Yeah, there were only girls in my class, right? So they all got to go off every Friday afternoon and learn knitting. 
and I got to stay in the boys' class by myself learning additional maths, which, of course, <laughs> was no use to me. That's horrible. That is very, that's very true of the um, British education system because, you know, Ken, I'm sure you're probably a similar age to me. And you're right, you know, when I was at school, it was um, home economics or domestic science. And for the gentlemen, for the boys, it was metalwork. Uh, at least metalwork would have been useful, but uh, I mean, every time it really annoys me that I see people knitting, invariably girls or uh, females, and I feel like I'm cheated out of that. That's a useful thing that I could have learned practically in school that I wasn't able to. And at the time, I asked the teacher, you know, can I do this? No, you're a boy, but that's stupid. Yeah, Gender these stereotyping. I remember my mum and dad talking about that and the one thing my mum got, got out of it was the fact that she learned to type with a typewriter because girls of her age at school were supposed to be the, the work you were supposed to do was be a secretary which meant that by the time she got round to getting a computer she was already pretty fluent with a typewriter she was just scared stiff I was going to swear there, scared stiff of the actual computer part so at least it, sent, it gave her one good one good life skill <laughs> Actually, and you brought up my second peeve. In college, I wasn't allowed to do typing because that was a girl's thing. Are you serious? Where did you go to college? <laughs> it was... No, there was... Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's where. I think it's when. Yeah, that, that's more like... <laughs> generational thing. Ah. For yeah. Some, yeah, for some reason, I thought there was a Doctor Who thing there coming in. It was like, it's not where, it's when. As I can imagine a Time Lord going back in time to do a, to do a particular exam. <laughs> when, if we're talking about personal gripes, I, I can't help but uh, but mention this one. Ken, you asked what they call primary school or elementary school in the States, and it, it's funny. And what? They used to call it grammar. It's grammar anymore, so they changed it to primary school or uh, elementary school. We have high schools and grammar schools. But that, it's more of a class thing here, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, we've we've got places where kids go to learn the exams and then get bits of paper saying they've passed exams, um, and then they come out highly qualified with bits of paper, but no, absolutely nothing. Um, sorry, we call that be. university. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my cert. Where's my office? Yeah, there's been a bunch of uh, protests based on that recently. Sorry, I didn't mean to turn it political. <laughs> No, I think that was me that turned it political there. <laughs> I do apologise. Um, so what were we discussing before I so rudely um, killed the conversation? We just finished talking about Crunchbang. Ooh, Ooh Crunchbang. Crunch that's, funnily enough, that's, that's what I'm using at the moment. So was everyone else in here, apparently. Except you, Clatoo. I feel so... You're heathen. Yeah. You, we still have many hours left on this thing. You can redeem uh, yourself. Nah. Um... Can I just say, we, I think me and uh, Becky and I joined the uh, conversation a bit late. No, I didn't think to track that. Yeah, hey, Cornominal, you and Becky joined the conversation a bit late, and then there was nothing else. You know what's going to happen? Someone with good audio typing skills is going to sit down and play the whole 24-hour org file and transcribe it. Classy. <laughs> Suddenly I'm Can a you use Emacs for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, but I'm not going to. However, joking aside, thanks to this web for bringing up something I wanted to talk about was accessibility and hacker public radio. Can we can we let Cornominal finish that last point first before we move on? Because I didn't hear what he was trying to say. I, I had a point. 
I don't know. You started to say something, and then your audio just completely failed. What he was saying was, we um, know that you've been online, certainly UK time since 5 p.m., and we didn't come on until a couple of hours. So we were just wondering, is there a log of the subjects that have been discussed that we missed? Not that I'm aware of, but if you've got something you want to bring up, don't worry about if it's been talked about before, because people are hopping on and off of, of the chat as well as the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the stream, I'm sure. Oh, no, nothing in particular, but, you know, I, did, I just, um, I didn't want to uh, start, you know, bringing, uh, in, you know, raising topics which has already been discussed, plus, is there sort of like, because um, you guys are doing this for how long? 12? Yeah, 12, 12 hours. 12 hours, yeah, that's a long time. Have you got like a, um, a list of topics that you're going to be discussing? No, no, we may have done that had we planned it out better, but since the planning was all left up to me, none of that kind of thing got done. Well, to be fair, this is the this is a bold idea by Pokey, and this is the first time we've done this. So, so yeah, I think next year that that might be a really good thing to remember. Well, hopefully, you'll get some good material from it for some future shows, and like I say, use the feedback from this year for next year. Yeah, that's that's the general idea. You know, I would love to be a fly on the wall for whoever's editing this and how they're going to split the one file down into. Oh, we've got an episode here, right? We've got this subject here. This half hour was good here. I would love to be a fly in the wall for whoever's editing this. We voted you to edit it. You weren't here for that? <laughs> You're a comedian. I think we're just going to script FFmpeg to chop it up in 20-minute in intervals and just release it like that. doesn't matter if we cut people off in the mid-sentence. We'll just release them as 20-minute episodes. Yeah, cliffhangers. You know, that seriously might be yeah. a bad idea. You know, <laughs> yes, you it know, would be a you, you know what you could do? You know how um, you've got some um, audio files that's got, end of part one, please turn the cassette over and play part two. You could have random little clips at the end of that so that it cuts into someone's sentence and then a little robotic voice says, end of part one, <laughs> please insert part two into your, into your player. Well, here's something. If anybody's actually doing a single track recording and uh, you know doesn't mind listening to the whole thing at some point at you know maybe high speed, they could just send me timestamps of good spots to cut it, and that would cut down on editing, you know, by a lot. Well, I'm doing a single track recording, but it I'm cutting it at like an hour or an hour and a half. I'm stopping it and restarting it just to make the files more manageable once I pull them into uh, audio editor. Yeah, I've been doing that with my single track recording too, just stopping it and restarting it. I can't do that with my uh, with my multi track recording because each one um, files. Yeah, if if you guys could put the single track ones up on the FTP server, and we'll uh, pimp them so that people might be able to do that. Yeah, so yeah but same. it won't matter. It won't matter because the um, the timestamps won't. We don't have a standard timestamp now because I, I my track might break at one point and someone else's will break at another. So if I send them a time code, then that's not going to mean anything. Yeah, it's, you're not going to be able to physically use it, but you'll be able to find it in Audacity. It can. It can work, Klaatu, because I can take the one that I have. It's, it's unbroken except for the, the short pauses. I can stitch them back together and upload a 12-hour file, and then people could you know listen through at high speed and just say, hey, break it off at roughly 20 minutes or at roughly 45 minutes in or something like that. That would be fine. I mean, that would it, it would help me tremendously. Yeah, okay. Approximate, yeah. No, the funny thing is, when you guys were all talking about multiple recordings and cutting it and you know stopping it and restarting it, and the thing that came to my mind was, do you worship the great god of audacity? One 24-hour file, and just when the show's about to be finished, 
you find that Audacity crashes on you and you lose the No, in, in the rare occasions that I've caused Audacity to crash by doing something stupid, um, it has recovered uh, gracefully is not even good enough word for it. Yeah, I've had the same experience. Um, the, the, I think I probably had like a catastrophic Audacity crash in some point in my life, although I don't remember it, so I could be making it up. But I imagine it would be when I was running a, a beta version of Audacity when I shouldn't have been. I, I don't usually mess around with my multimedia applications. I don't, I don't run the latest and greatest for that very reason. No, in fairness to Audacity, I mean, I've seen it crashing quite a lot, but it always recovers, and it finds, it opens the files just as they were. It might crash a lot, but it does recover, so technically you don't really lose anything. Uh, this would... What distro are you running Audacity on that it's crashing? Because I haven't had an Audacity crash in a couple of years. Until, Same here. Until I installed Mint uh, last night and tried it on Mint. I've not actually used Audacity in a while. Um, for Crivens, it's Kevy that does the recording, and I'm just on Mumble, essentially, here. Uh, but I mean, I've tried it on, on uh, Crunchbang and Ubuntu and Mint, um, Debian, with mixed success. Uh, and I've just just remembered that it did crash a lot um, at certain times. But as I say, I've not really used it that much recently. So You might, uh, I don't know if you guys do a lot of multi-tracking, but if you do multi-tracking, Get over three or four multi-tracks, and it gets really hairy. It starts crashing then a lot. Sure, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You've just put the fear of God into me. I just you know, I just told you I got 16 tracks, at least. Relax. Pray to the great God Audacity. He is merciful. And on that note, I'm going to talk my drink up. I'll be back in a minute. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.